Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, The Ragged Stranger. But first, your true crime headlines. In California, a white supremacist was killed last week in a shootout with police. The shooting took place Thursday morning when deputies at first tried to conduct a traffic stop on 38-year-old Christopher Michael Straub near a cemetery. According to police, Straub exited his vehicle and ran away. He then hid and ambushed deputies, shooting one officer in the leg. California deputies returned fire, and Straub was fatally shot as he attempted to return to his vehicle. He was pronounced dead at the scene. After the shooting, authorities found multiple weapons in Straub's vehicle, including four assault-style rifles, one bolt-action hunting rifle, one shotgun, and two handguns along with the handgun he used to shoot at deputies and hundreds of rounds of ammunition. The sheriff's office said Straub was a convicted felon and a known member of a white supremacist gang, and that a gang task force had been investigating Straub for illegal gun manufacturing prior to the shooting. In Louisiana, a woman who was five months pregnant was fatally shot while struggling over a gun with her boyfriend. According to police, the woman, 31-year-old Tiana Thomas, was at her boyfriend, 24-year-old Malachi Guillory's house on Saturday night when she, her boyfriend, and another woman got into an argument outside. At around 8.30 p.m., the victim retrieved a handgun from the home, and as her boyfriend tried to take the gun away from her, it discharged. She was shot in the shoulder area and taken to a hospital where she later died. Guillory has been charged with two counts of negligent homicide. An argument involving several dozen people turned deadly in Kenosha, Wisconsin on Sunday. According to authorities, 30 to 40 people were arguing in the parking lot of a bar called the Red Zone. When police arrived, the crowd began to disperse. Then, gunshots rang out. Officers found a 25-year-old man laying on the sidewalk suffering from a gunshot wound. He was taken to a local hospital, where he was pronounced dead. Police are investigating the case as a homicide. There is no word on any arrests. The shooting death is the fifth in Kenosha in the last six weeks. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, The Ragged Stranger. But first, a quick break. These days, I'm eating almost every meal at home. I don't have a lot of time for grocery shopping, meal planning, and cooking. But I still want high-quality, sustainably sourced, wholesome meals at home. That's why I decided to try Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic company that makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. Their meal plans include paleo, plant-powered, keto, and balanced living. So whatever your lifestyle, Green Chef's expert chefs design great recipes for your lifestyle that go way beyond ordinary substitutions. Green Chef lets you choose from a wide variety of easy-to-follow meal plans with select organic ingredients 
and plenty of options every week, delivered right to your door. With Green Chef, it's easy to eat well and discover new recipes every week that you'll love to cook. The recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step -step instructions, chef tips, and photos to help guide you along. The ingredients are seasonally sourced for peak freshness, come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped. So no matter what your cooking skill level, you'll get perfect results. Green Chef makes cooking simple with dinner options that work around my lifestyle, not the other way around. Plus, Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box, so I can feel great about what I'm eating and how it got to my table. Let Green Chef do the meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep for you week after week. Use code MURDERMINUTE80 to get $80 off your first month, plus free shipping on your first box. Go to greenchef.com slash MURDERMINUTE80 to redeem and for more details. That's $80 off your first month, plus free shipping on your first box when you use code MURDERMINUTE80 at greenchef.com slash Murder Minute 80. Do you get bored with your workouts? If you're looking for a fun workout that keeps you engaged, learning, excited, and motivated, you need to check out Fight Camp. Fight Camp brings the boxing gym to your living room. Boxing is one of the best ways to get in shape and learn a new skill. Fight Camp provides all the gear and the top trainers everything you'll need to get in fighting shape. They have the best freestanding punching bag on the market, great boxing gloves, quick hand wraps, and their unique punch tracking sensors that show you real-time progress and stats on any iOS device. Fight Camp even offers kid gloves, so the whole family can get in on the action. Learn from six highly qualified trainers, ranging from a pro MMA fighter and mother of two to a kickboxing world champion. And if you're new to boxing like me, their 12-week starter program teaches you the fundamentals of boxing while you get a great workout every time. Fight Camp has hundreds of different workouts for all fitness levels and skills. And with new ones every week, you'll get hooked. Try Fight Camp workouts for free. Just download the Fight Camp app and select the workout of your choice. It's a great way to test your trainer. And with a firm financing, you can get your gym right away. Make easy monthly payments and the gym is yours to keep at the end of your term. At less than $100 a month after approval, it's cheaper than almost every boxing gym. Fight Camp offers flexible financing for as low as zero APR. And right now, as a limited time offer, you can try Fight Camp for 30 days with their money-back guarantee. Just go to joinfightcamp.com slash murder. That's right, try Fight Camp for 30 days, and if you don't love it, they'll refund your money. Train like a fighter and turn your sweat into results. To try Fight Camp for 30 days, just go to joinfightcamp.com slash murder. That's joinfightcamp.com slash murder. Welcome back to Murder Minute. 
Carl Wanderer was born in Chicago, Illinois on June 26, 1895. The son of German immigrants, Carl dropped out of school to work and save money. When Carl was still just a teenager, his mother, who had long suffered from mental illness, committed suicide. Soon after, Carl joined the army. After enlisting in the Illinois Cavalry and serving under General Pershing in 1916, Carl served with distinction and became a lieutenant in the army, seeing heavy combat as a machine gunner in France in World War I. By the time he was discharged in June of 1919, Carl had reached the rank of second lieutenant, and when he returned home to Chicago, Carl was greeted as a war hero. Now 25, Carl decided that it was time to settle down. He began working as a butcher in his father's shop, and within months married his sweetheart, a girl he knew from church, 20-year-old Ruth Anna Johnson. Ruth was the youngest daughter of Swedish immigrants, Charles and his wife Eugenia, and met Carl at Trinity Lutheran Church before he joined the army. When Carl left, Ruth was so devoted to him that she quit the church choir so that other boys wouldn't ask to accompany her home. Everyone who knew Ruth described her as beautiful and amiable, devoutly religious, not at all quarrelsome, and happy to be a housewife. They were a perfect match. Carl and Ruth married on October 1st, 1919, and lived with Ruth's parents at 4732 North Campbell Avenue in Chicago. Carl wasn't fond of his new job as a butcher, but he worked hard to be a good provider and husband. Every Sunday, the couple attended services at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church together. And by January of 1920, Ruth discovered that she was pregnant. When Carl learned that he would soon be a father, he became withdrawn. He told his friends and family that he missed the army and wanted to re-enlist. On the night of June 21st, 1920, Carl took his now heavily pregnant wife Ruth to the Pershing Theater to see a film. It was an adaptation of Jack London's novel The Lone Sea Wolf. At around 9 p.m., Carl told Ruth that he wasn't feeling well and asked if they could go home. Ruth agreed and they left the theater before the movie had ended. As the couple walked up Lincoln Street, past Zint's pharmacy, Carl nodded to a ragged stranger as he passed by. It was an uncommonly chilly summer night. When they arrived home, Ruth walked ahead of Carl up the steps of their stoop while Carl waited at the foot. Ruth fumbled in the dark to unlock the door. Carl climbed up the half dozen stairs quickly and assisted his wife holding the outer door open as Ruth struggled with the lock of the inner door. The lock often stuck. Can't you open it, honey? He asked. Sure I can, she laughed. 
Wait till I turn on the light. Ruth reached above her for the pull chain to turn on the overhead light. But before she could, a stranger's voice commanded, Don't turn on that light. A man pushed past them inside of the vestibule. How about that money? he asked. Before Ruth could react, the sound of gunshots rang out. My baby, Ruth cried as she crumpled to the floor, cradling her belly and bleeding. She was shot, and so was the intruder. As the smoke cleared, Ruth noticed a man clenching her legs. The stranger lay there next to her, struggling to breathe. Carl had pulled his service revolver and returned fire. Of the ten shots fired in the tiny vestibule, four of them had hit the intruder. Carl, Ruth struggled. I'm shot. Get Mama. Ruth's mother, Eugenia, had been upstairs when she heard the gunfire. She opened the door and called down. Who's that? Is that you? Carl shouted up the stairs, Ma, Ruth's been shot. She rushed down. As Ruth lay dying, Eugenia watched as Carl climbed on top of the stranger and pounded his head into the marble floor. A first-floor neighbor, James Williams, heard the shots and called the police. When he opened his door to the vestibule, he saw Carl sitting on top of the dying intruder, holding his bloody head by the hair. Two revolvers lay on the floor. Mr. Williams helped Eugenia carry Ruth upstairs. Ma, is it real? Ruth said. Oh, my knee and my side. As they lay Ruth on a couch, she said to her mother, My baby is dead. When Carl was sure that the stranger was finished, he ran upstairs to his wife. She was losing massive amounts of blood. Carl kneeled at Ruth's side and took her hand and tried to remove her wedding ring. Ruth pulled her hand away, made a fist, and nestled it under her chin. Rush her to the hospital, Carl commanded, and take that ring off. Chicago's Michael Reese Hospital was the first to have a motorized ambulance, but Eugenia knew that it couldn't possibly get to Ruth in time to save her. She wrapped her arms around her daughter to comfort her. My hand is getting so cold, Ruth said. Mama, 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 were her last words. She died in just 20 minutes. The intruder, laying dead downstairs on the vestibule floor, would soon become known to the press as the Ragged Stranger. 
There isn't much to tell, Carl told legendary reporter Ben Hecht the next morning. When Hecht interviewed Carl, he was ironing his trousers, whistling a tune, while Ruth's body still lay in the other room. According to Hecht, Carl recounted the events of the previous evening with no emotion. We'd been to a movie and this man followed us, I suppose, he said. I was going to turn on the light in the vestibule so as to see the keyhole when I hear a voice. Don't turn on the light. I reached for my gun before I knew what the fellow was up to. He never ordered us to put up our hands, just began to shoot. I was a few seconds late, and that's why she is laying in there. Carl repeated this story to reporters and for over two weeks was hailed as a hero in the papers, a war veteran who had avenged his wife, killing her attacker, the ragged stranger. But investigators and reporters became suspicious. With so many shots fired in such a tight space, how was it that Carl made it out without a scratch, they wondered. The ragged stranger had not yet been identified, but investigative reporters and Sergeant John Norton noticed another suspicious detail. Both of the weapons were expensive Colt 45 caliber semi-automatic handguns. The gun cost $50, equivalent to roughly $650 today. Carl's was issued to him in the army but how did this ragged, as yet unidentified supposed vagrant, come by his? To Hecht, it didn't seem possible that a penniless thief who had less than $5 on him would carry such an expensive weapon instead of selling it. Chicago Police Sergeant John Norton also discovered that Carl Wanderer had been having an affair with the 17-year-old stenographer named Julia Schmidt. Schmidt told Norton that she had several dates with Carl Wanderer and showed police sexually explicit letters Carl had written to her. Julia Schmidt also told police that Carl Wanderer said that he would marry her. In addition to this affair, Hecht also claimed to have found articles of women's clothing and letters written by Carl to a male lover named James. Sergeant John Norton asked Carl why he was carrying his gun that night. Carl said that he had recently been robbed and had carried the gun on him ever since. The two guns were identical. The only other clue investigators had to go on was the serial number on the gun which Carl said belonged to the attacker. C-2282 Sergeant Norton wrote a letter to the Colt Company, requesting any information they may have about the sale of the weapon, hoping that they might be able to help identify the ragged stranger through the serial number. A few days later, they got an answer. The gun had been sold to a man named Peter Hoffman. Hoffman then sold the gun in 1914 to a man named Fred Wanderer, Carl's cousin. On July 6th, 
1920, Carl Wanderer was arrested on suspicion of the murder of his wife. At first, he denied the charges. Despite the letters, he explained Julia Schmidt away as nothing more than a dumb kid who visited the butcher shop and denied the affair. The stranger's gun, he said, was not his, but must have been one that had been part of a mass arms shipment by the army to a training camp he'd been in during the war. Even when confronted with the physical evidence, Carl Wanderer insisted that he was innocent. He told them that he loved Ruth, and that she was the only girl he had ever even kissed. Come on now, whispered Secretary Kenny during the inquest. Think of your dead wife. Think of the baby. Give them a square deal and a tone like a man. This succeeded where all else had failed. The Chicago Tribune wrote, They had trapped him in a hundred lies. They had laughed at his cumbersome attempts to explain them. He had tired of the grind, finally. Carl said that he would give a statement if he were allowed to, quote, police up first. After a shower and a shave, Carl Wanderer confessed. He told the police that he murdered his wife and the stranger to make it look like a robbery. He had hired a vagrant under the pretense that his relationship with his wife was deteriorating and told the stranger that he wanted to stage a mugging with him to prove himself a hero in front of her. Carl said that he borrowed the second colt from his cousin. And when the stranger showed up to carry out what he thought was an innocent scheme to help Carl win his wife over, Carl shot them both. He had fired all ten shots with both guns, he said, and staged the scene to make it look like the stranger shot his wife. He smashed the man's skull into the floor to make sure he couldn't talk. When asked if he knew who the ragged stranger was, Carl said that he didn't know his name. Carl's motive was less clear. His statements were contradictory, but Carl said that he killed his wife because he was tired of the marriage and wanted to go back to the army and that he didn't want to get a divorce because he didn't want Ruth to be with anyone else. But investigative reporters believed that Carl killed his wife due to an affair. And Chicago police suspected that Carl wanted to collect Ruth's money after they learned that she had withdrawn $1,500 from her bank account the morning of the killing. After Carl gave his confession, he shook hands with the prosecutors and talked willingly to reporters. We shall go before the grand jury Monday and ask for his indictment on a charge of murder, state's attorney Hoyne said. It is one of the most cold-blooded and revolting crimes in Chicago's history. We shall ask an immediate trial and the rope. Carl Wanderer had two separate trials. The first was for the murder of his wife and their unborn child. The second was for the murder of the ragged stranger. On October 4th, 1920, 
the first trial began. Despite his confession, Ruth's family believed that Carl was innocent. They couldn't believe that their son-in-law would commit such a horrible crime. Carl's defense argued that he was insane and that the confession had been coerced through excessive interrogation and that Carl had been beaten by police. Carl's father and sister testified that their family had a history of mental illness and that their mother had committed suicide by slitting her own throat. They said that Carl had once tried to commit suicide as well by throwing himself from a fire escape. An army colleague testified that Carl had suffered a head injury during the war. Carl Wanderer recanted his confession and once again denied killing his wife and the ragged stranger as well as the affair with Julia Schmidt. Two doctors, doctors John Mahoney and William Crone, were called upon to evaluate Carl's mental condition and concluded that Carl was perfectly sane. A third doctor, Dr. William Hickson, testified that he believed Carl to be insane. He diagnosed Carl as a latent homosexual and based his theory on Carl's wish to rejoin the army and to be in the exclusive company of other men. The supposed letter to a male lover, alleged to exist by reporter Ben Hecht, was never presented or mentioned at trial. The first trial ended in a hung jury. In a second trial, the prosecution called Julia Schmidt as a witness. In his summation, the prosecutor reportedly dramatically said, quote, Kisses for Julia, bullets for Ruth. An all-male jury deliberated for 22 hours, and on October 29, 1920, Carl Wanderer was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 25 years. The judge was shocked. A grievous error, he said. You call him a wife murderer and say that he shall pay with 25 years imprisonment. A regrettable error. And mind you, I don't want to be in the position of criticizing a jury. The Chicago newspapers agreed. The public wanted to see Carl Wanderer hang. On March 1, 1921, Carl's final trial, this time for the killing of the ragged stranger, began. Carl's defense again argued that he was insane and asked that he be committed. This time, Carl played up the insanity, pacing in his cell and claiming to be haunted by the spirit of his dead wife and the devil. But the judge in this case wasn't buying it. The judge also banned the testimony of Julia Schmidt on the grounds that he did not consider the affair relevant to the murder. It does not follow that if a man seeks the society of other women, he must necessarily have tired of his wife, the judge said. It is being done every day. The trial ended on March 18, 1921, and returned a swift verdict. For the killing of the ragged stranger, Carl Wanderer was found guilty of first-degree murder.
This time, he was sentenced to death. As he awaited his execution, one of his jailers asked Carl, Do you believe in life after death? I don't know, he replied. Maybe I'll see you on the other side. If I do, I'll shake hands with you anyway. On his final night, Carl ate his last meal of a chicken dinner and sat down to play a game of cards with two of his jailers, Fred Stedman and Alex Froden, and reporters Charles MacArthur and Ben Hecht. According to Hecht, in his Chicago Daily News story published the next day, Carl gave him one final confession. Well, I killed Ruth and that stranger fellow, and I'll tell you why. Hecht reported. But I don't want to write it or sign it on account of my pa and sisters. They think I'm innocent. Yes, they believe in me, and they think everything they read in the newspapers is rotten lies. So I don't care if you print it. They'll read it and say it's lies. But I'd rather be hanged twice than let my pa and sisters know for sure that I croaked my wife. Now about your reasons for killing your wife and the stranger, the reporter asked. Well, it was this way. I killed Ruth first. I didn't want her to see me kill the other. I know that it was a dirty, rotten trick, but... Goddamn, I don't know why in the hell I did it. You know, I was afraid that the guy wouldn't show up. Ruth was interested in the movies and it was raining, and I talked it over briefly with the guy and he'd said he'd hold us up in our hallway after we came home from the show. Yes, we know all that, but why did you want to kill Ruth? The reporter asked. Well then, I didn't want to leave her. She would suffer too much. I couldn't stand it if she suffered. So I figured the only way out was to kill her, and I got this poor boob to frame a holdup and I killed them both. That's how it was. Didn't want to have her suffer, see? Couldn't stand the idea of the kid coming, see? So I croaked her. Say that was rotten, wasn't it? Why not sign the confession like you promised me? Persisted the reporter. Ruth knows you're guilty anyway. Yes, she knows, but she's with me. You mean, you see her sometimes? She's with me, and I'll see her soon. Are you going to give the identity of the ragged stranger? Asked the reporter. Oh, that's old stuff. I didn't know him. Just picked him up. He was a boob, honest. I don't think anybody will ever find out, because I didn't know him at all. After the hecked story ran, however, the Chicago Daily Tribune reported that the two jailers present said, quote, Wanderer refused to make any statement of any kind, despite the importunities of a newspaper man who kept vigil with him. Carl Wanderer was hanged at 7.20 a.m. on September 30, 1921. He went to the gallows with a photo of him and Ruth in his jacket pocket, singing Ernest Hare's Old Pal, Why Don't You Answer Me? The ragged stranger's identity was never confirmed.
This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.